This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all this morning. I'm, I wasn't, didn't hear all of John's announcements, so I'm not sure if he announced this, but thank you for all of you that were involved in Christmas Child last week. Uh, 235 boxes came in to go to Operation Christmas Child, so way to go. That's awesome for us to be able to make a difference around the world uh, by blessing children so they can also hear the gospel. So thank you for getting involved with that. Well, at the end of the service today, we're going to celebrate some faith together. We're going to have a water baptism uh, time. But uh, before we get to that, we're just going to finish up our series today that we've called uh, The Resistance. And we've been talking about this for five weeks. This is number six. Um, so far in this series, we've talked about resisting temptation. We've talked about taking a stand against circumstances that have come our way. We've talked about resisting sickness and disease. We talked about resisting selfishness. And then last week, we talked about resisting injustice. And if you have your Bibles uh, with you this morning, let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Or if you've got your Bible on your device, 1 Peter chapter 5. If you missed any of those messages, they're available on our website or on our podcast for free. You can go back and catch up. Um, One of the big themes that we've been discussing throughout this series is um, not only resisting things that come our our way, circumstances and, and different things like that, but also resisting the idea and sort of the life philosophy of fatalism and how I would describe that is that just sort of everything that happens to you um, is just sort of happening to you for a reason or sometimes something happens to us negatively and from that situation or circumstance we're trying to extrapolate and understand the will of God from what is going on and what's happening to us. And I would say, as we've been looking at this series, hopefully that we've understood that we aren't supposed to be just laying down under circumstances, that God has actually empowered us by His Spirit to resist uh, certain things that come our way. And the Scripture tells us in these verses that we're about to read that within our relationship with God, He is calling us and He's asking us not to just lay down under circumstances, just to lay down under things that are coming our way, but actually push back with the help of the Holy Spirit, push back against the things that are happening to us in life that are damaging us or hurting us. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So we see that, resist him, firm in your faith. So... Within the context of our relationship with God, we are supposed to have this attitude of resistance, resisting the enemy, resisting the devil, not just laying down under circumstances, but resisting, pushing back, opposing these certain things. Now, throughout this series, especially in the first part of the series, we were referencing a story in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus had sent out his disciples, not only his 12, but his 70 And he sent them out two by two and he gave them instructions and then they came back and they were testifying a little bit about what went on in the different cities and communities that they had been ministering in. And then we we talked about this idea that 
they came back and they were rejoicing. And Jesus said, you know, don't make a big deal about having authority over demons and evil spirits. And that we're rejoicing that our name is in the Lamb books, Lamb's book of life. And then he said this phrase in the middle of it, saying this in Luke chapter 10, verse 18. He says, as he said to them, I saw Satan fell like lightning from heaven. So we didn't really discuss that very much early in the series. But as we can see and as we understand, and if we've been around church... Um, at all in any time in our lives, or even if we haven't been in church, that we, we do understand this notion that the devil is bad, that the devil is evil. And sometimes we're uh, confused as to why God would create the devil, and if God created Lucifer, um, isn't he kind of creating his own enemies? There's big philosophical questions people come up with. But we can look at some verses here in the Old Testament that gives us a little bit of insight about what went on as Jesus is describing that Satan fell like lightning out of heaven, that God cast him out of his presence. And why did this happen? What is the occasion and what is the circumstance under which God, one of God's created beings, one of his angels, was rebelling against him and that he cast him out of heaven? Why did he cast him out? And we can get some insight as we look in the Old Testament and the prophets. Um, Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12 tells us this. Referring to the enemy, it says, How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? How are you cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low? You said in your heart, talking about the devil, says this, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north, I will ascend in the heights above the clouds. I will make like the Most High. Another prophet references this in Ezekiel chapter 28. It says this, Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you down to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast, to feast their eyes on you. So a lot of imagery in that first part, and then we see something specific mentioned here in Ezekiel 28. That he, that the enemy wanted, that Lucifer wanted to raise his throne above God. That Lucifer, who was a created angel, was now saying that I want to be above God. That I actually want to receive the glory. That I actually want to receive the praise. That I'm going to place my throne above God's throne. Me, the angel, saying I am a created being, but now... I know that you're the creator, but I want to raise myself above you. And then Ezekiel says, your heart was proud. Now, I know nobody in this room ever struggles with pride. But for, for the other people that are meeting in the other churches this morning in Mississauga, let's just talk about them a little bit. That we see this thing here, this pride specifically mentioned that he was proud. Now, we know the word uh, pride can actually be used in a good sense. If you accomplish something, you should be proud of your accomplishments. If you do a good job, you should take pride in your work. So all of pride is not used negatively and it's not used negatively in the scripture. But here, in this context and within the context of our own hearts, this will be something that we need and should resist. Because we see this was actually the thing that got Satan cast out of God's presence. That he was no longer an angel. That he was cast out of God's presence. He was cast away from God's throne because he was proud. Because of the pride in his heart. 
First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says this, Likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders. Now we hated this verse when we were young and the older we got, we loved it. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That God opposes the proud. That there is, we see here in these verses, that God is actually resisting pride in us. Or resisting people who are proud. In the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, it says, God knows the proud afar off. That God is resisting pride in us, and so we then also, also should be aware of pride in our own hearts, and it should be something that we, on purpose, resist. That we should resist the pride that's in our hearts. Because as we look through these verses, it is um, important for us to realize that resisting pride is at the core of our relationship with God. For us to be able to have a relationship with God, a good, healthy understanding about who we are and who God is, we have to push away pride. So how do we think about pride? How do we understand pride? So let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever been impressed with yourself? What do you think? Have you ever been impressed with yourself? Absolutely. Now, I, this happens to be on a regular occurrence. Um, and, and especially it happens to me as I recount the story of how my wife and I met. And if, if you want to hear the true story, you're going to hear it now. If you want to hear some other version of the truth, you can talk to my wife after the service. But, you know, when we, we met... Uh, It'll be 23, 23 years ago, a couple months ago, that we met Bible school. It's a good place to meet your spouse, especially if you're going to be in the ministry. So we were there in, in one, of our, one of the lunch areas of the school. And there was a pool table there. And I was sitting beyond the pool table. And my lovely wife of 21 years, who we didn't really know each other that well in that moment, she was playing pool with some friends. So I was sitting, so the pool, let's say the pool table is here in this area. She's playing pool, and I'm sitting over here at a table, just, you know, minding my own business. You know, eating some lunch, glancing around. And I happen to notice her playing pool. And so she's over here lining up a shot like this. And she's getting to line up the shot, and then she pauses, looks up at me. Looks down and takes the shot. And from that look on, she was powerless. She sits here, having given me two children 21 years later, I rest my case. Now, now, she has some other version about, I don't know, me staring at her. I don't know exactly what it sounds like. It's completely inaccurate. And so, <laughs> these, these are something that we, at, at any moment in our life, we can get really impressed with ourselves. We can get really impressed with our knowledge. We can get uh, really impressed with our own experiences. We can get impressed with our education. We can, uh, we can get impressed with 
even gifts and talents that have nothing to do with a choice that we made, something that God has given us, a gift and a talent and an aptitude in a certain area, just naturally. And if you have children, multiple children, you see different gifts in each one of your children. How did those gifts get there that, that God has given us each one gifts? But any time we can take those God-given things or that knowledge that maybe has been gained through study or uh, a certain level of you know, accomplishment with any given field, that we can take all of these things and that we can just get really impressed with ourselves. And that our knowledge becomes the most important thing or my accomplishments become the most important thing. Or who I am is the most important thing. And that all of these things can issue in, in pride in our lives. James chapter 4 verse 6 says this, But he gives more grace. Therefore it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do you see the order there, the natural order? What do we do? We submit ourselves to God and then we resist the devil. We're not resisting the enemy in and of our own strength. We're not resisting the enemy in some aptitude that has strictly come from myself or some strength that's just given to me and I'm so amazing. That we submit ourselves to God and then we resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Listen, verse 10. Humble yourselves... Before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Humble yourself before the Lord. That we're not, we're not coming to God with our awesomeness, and our amazingness, and our intellect, and our understanding, and our um, t- tremendously formed life philosophies, and bringing this to God, that we're actually humbling ourselves before the Lord. And then it says, and He will exalt you. See, when we are full of pride, when we are experiencing and understanding pride, we are just trusting ourselves. We are resting on our own strength. We are resting on our own intellect. We're sort of saying, God, I don't need you. I could do this on my own. I, I could face life on my own. I can go through life just guiding myself with any help from you. I don't need, I don't need your guidance. I'll just do it. I'll figure it out for myself. And we need to resist that feeling in us. The definition of the word pride is this, refers to an unwarranted attitude of confidence. It refers to an unhealthy, elevated view of oneself, abilities, or possession. Unhealthy. The, the, the pride that, that shows up in our heart, the pride that shows up um, as we are going through life, as we think about relationships, as we, as we go through, you know, if we've ever gone through... Um, a difficult time in a relationship, whether it's with your spouse or sometimes or friends or, you know, that we, and, and then you're, there's sort of like a, a separation in a friendship. It's very hard for us to tell that story without making ourselves the hero or somehow the victim and that the other person, that the other party is at fault in every respect and I somehow made all of the right choices and I did all of the right things that we justify ourselves in our own hearts and our minds and in our own stories 
Why? It's pride. An unhealthy, elevated view of ourself. Humility is having, uh, is having just a completely different view of ourselves. Pride, the connotation of the word pride, it, it comes off height. It shows this idea of height, that I'm above you. And it's the same thing that got the enemy cast out of heaven. That he was trying to raise himself up above God. And I know we would never think to do that. We never think, well, I'm not going to raise my throne above God. I, I can't create planets. And I, I can't create oceans and mountains. But subtly, a lot of times, we are resisting God with our pride. That we're resisting his help. That we're resisting submitting to him because we think we know better. And we're kind of in a rush. And why isn't this happening faster for me? And why isn't this going on? And why isn't this going on? And so we resist the hand of God. We resist all of these different things. Why? Because of pride. Matthew chapter 23 verse 12 says, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Faith is in direct conflict with pride. Because pride is self-reliant and faith is God-reliant. Faith reminds us that we are dependent on God. It frees us to have assurance of His loving guidance for our lives. So we don't raise ourselves up that we want to raise up God in our hearts and in our minds. See, and this is the, the internal struggle that we would all face. The, the pride of life, the, the pride of, of me just looking at myself in a certain way and then sort of lowering God, lifting up myself in my own eyes and diminishing God. But we never want to do that. We never want to live life like that. We want to resist pride. You know, when we... When we think about God's help, a lot of times that we can, part of, partly we're talking about there is a trusting in God's guidance, God's help. Now I'm going to need some help this morning. I'm going to need three people and I have my daughters here this morning so I know I have two willing helpers. So guys, come on up. Come on babes, let's go. I wasn't joking about you. Come on, we got two. You can't, you can't disobey in front of the church. You can do that later. And I need one more. Let's get another teenager. We've got any other Ram Logan girls. Come on. We've got three students helping us this morning. So who wants to be God? <laughs> it's usually you, Avery. Admit it. Come on. Okay, Avery's going to be God. going to be Jesus and the Holy Spirit. All right, so we have the full trinity. So if I'm going through life, living my life, God is always with me, Right? So you guys got to stay with me this morning, all right? Follow me, children, like you do every day of your lives. Okay, let's go. So if I am going through life and I have to face a circumstance or I have to do something, I have to lift up this stool that God, the Scripture tells us that He is our helper, the Holy Spirit's our helper. So I'm going to do something and the Trinity, this beautiful Trinity this morning, is coming to help me. Come to help me, girls. And I'm like, no, no, no. I've got it, I've got it. I'm going to do it on my own. And see, this is what we do. We resist God's help 
and we want to do things on our own. Thank you, ladies. But we don't want to be going through life resisting God's help. See, and this is what happens if we're, we're like making these choices, making decisions, going through life all on my own. I end up resisting God. And then it says God opposes the proud, but then what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. And then when we go to face the situation, we go to make a choice, we invite God and we want and we need. We need God's help. The most educated person in here needs God's help. The richest person in this room needs God's help. The, the, the person who's at the highest place in their given you know, type of work, you need God's help. But pride would say, no, I'm going to do it all on my own. Humility says, God, I need your help. You know, and this definitely shows up Specifically within the context of religious circles, religious practices. And this is one of my life pet peeves, as you have heard me talk about many times. But see, what happens with us who are in a relationship with God, that we uh, allow God to uh, form us and change us and transform us and do all these different things. And so we start to make different choices. And then we, make, we start to make some good choices and then it helps us to avoid some pitfalls of life that maybe other people are still facing. And what can potentially happen to us over a period of time is that we could start to look down, because this is what pride does, pride raises us up, we can start to look down at people who are making different choices or are involved in different religious practices. And, and, and this is what ends up happening to us, that religious pride is actually one of the things that Jesus dealt with a lot in the Gospels. And in fact, he tells us the story here in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 says this. He also told us this parable to some who trusted in themselves. And that's a good way of describing pride. Not putting our trust in God, not putting our ultimate reliance in God, but putting our ultimate reliance in ourselves. That they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Now, I'm not talking about other religions this morning. Because right away people, you know, they can go and, oh yeah, those people in the other religions, they're treating people with contempt because they believe other things and then they have and we can watch it in the world and so we look down. But I'm telling you, this is just as prevalent in Christian circles and in Christian churches as any other religion. Because this is what we have this tendency to do. And this is who Jesus is dealing with. Not someone else, but he's dealing with us, with his followers. Talking about someone who's trusted in themselves and treated others with contempt. Now listen. Two men went into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. One a Pharisee, one who knows the word of God. One who understands the practices of God, understands the holiness of God, understands the ceremonies of the Old Testament. So here we have a Pharisee and then a tax collector. And we know from the New Testament writings, we see uh, tax collectors had their own category of bad people. It was the sinners and the tax collectors. Like they were below the sinners, just the average sinners who were messing up their lives and doing wrong. That sinners are like a whole other category. Tax collectors are a whole other category of bad, negative. 
So we have a Pharisee, someone who knows the Word of God. Someone who goes to church for our purposes. And then someone who is a sinner of the worst description. Verse 11. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, or like this. This is how the Pharisee prayed. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Do you hear the height of the pride? So it would sound like this today. God, I thank you that I am in my church and not some other church. God, I thank you that I am in my denomination or non-denomination as it were. I thank you that I am in this and not that. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And he points to this tax collector over here who's come to the temple at the same time. This is what the religious person says. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. Now, are those bad things? Fasting bad? No, it's a good thing. We're going to talk about fasting in January. Explain it a little bit. Is, is tithing bad? No, this is a good way for us to honor God. But now he's taken his religiosity and now he has pride in it. He's taken it and he's raised himself up over somebody else. And then here's the other guy, the tax collector, standing afar off, wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God... Be merciful me, to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. We, the ones sitting in this room, potentially we have within the context of our relationship with God that we can get inflated and puffed up with pride. That we take the things that we do that are supposed to grow and enhance our relationship with God and, they, and we take it and we make it a way to raise ourselves up over someone else. That this person trumped, trumpeted his own goodness and how amazing he is and how he understands and what he does in the religious context. And this other person, what was the first word out of his mouth? He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. His starting place was how he was something and how he did something. And then this guy's starting place was God. That we have to find this humility in our hearts so that we can actually have an authentic and genuine relationship with God that we're not trumpeting our own goodness or our own religious practices and how we do this and we do this and we do this and we do this. But our starting place with our relationship with God is God. See, the best part of our relationship with God is not what we do on a Sunday morning and what it looks like or how it looks this way and how some other church doesn't look this way and how we do this and how we do this. That 
the, the best part of our relationship with God is God. He is the end purpose of our relationship with Him, knowing Him. Knowing Him is better than trumpeting our own goodness. Knowing Him intimately, having a relationship with God, is so much better than us just living an inflated life of pride in our experiences, in our financial standing, in our education, in our religious practices. That we would humble ourselves. And then we would just realize that having God is the best thing. Knowing God, having a relationship with Him, that He is the end of it all, that I don't just have a relationship with God so that I can get this, that, or the other. That the best part of knowing God is knowing God. His mercy and His forgiveness and His love and all of it comes from His grace that He just pours it out on us. And then we just submit to all of that. We yield to all of that. And we don't put our throne and our desires and our thoughts above His thoughts. That we place Him above all. That we give Him the highest place in our lives and our hearts. That we humble ourselves so that we can know Him and the power of His resurrection. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for Your love today. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.